to the Homemakers Club podcast. The Homemakers Club is a sisterhood of women who value the old-fashioned ways and traditions of making a house a home. As you listen in each week to conversation between myself and a fellow homemaker, it is my hope that you'll feel as though we are old friends and you're stopping by my home for a long-standing weekly tradition of sweet tea and sweet conversation. As good old friends do, we will celebrate the simplicities of ordinary days and come alongside one another to navigate the joys and hardships of homemaking. It is my prayer that when we say our goodbyes at the end of each episode, you leave with a heart that is enriched and filled with provision so that when you tie your apron strings each morning, you are joyfully ready to create a beautiful and fruitful life within your home. Grab a cup of tea and I'll meet you at the kitchen table. Hey everyone, today I have Natalie Hickson joining me and I cannot wait to introduce y'all to her because she's going to be sharing a story with us that I know so many women within the Homemakers Club will be able to relate to at some level. Natalie's passion and mission is to help women overcome burnout and the emotional hardships that come with being wives, moms, and homemakers. We've all been there through different seasons of our journeys and I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to have Natalie join me as we gather to discuss something that is often not talked about, but is often a reality within the ministry of home. Natalie has committed her life's work outside of her homemaking to help restore joy in so many women's hearts so they can be equipped and enriched to tend to their homes. And I could not love this more. Natalie, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I would love for us to start off with you telling us a little bit about who you are and where you're at within your homemaking journey. Yeah. So, yep, I'm Natalie. I live with my high school sweetheart and husband here in Bozeman, Montana, and we have three girls. One just moved out to go to college in Tennessee, so far away, but it's super exciting. We're really, really excited for her. And then we have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old here as well. And as far as homemaking, where am I at with it right now? I am, I mean, I just talk about all the things I love about it. I love (laughs) that we started a garden a few years ago. I'm going to start a cut garden soon. Um, Trying to get back into a routine of cleaning and just kind of some consistency after moving a kiddo out and finishing volleyball season. (laughs) So we're feeling a little chaotic and, and coming down from that. We're recording this in fall, and I'm totally getting in the swing of fall cooking. Pumpkin cake, and I made a, a yummy vodka pasta last night for my parents. I mean, just all the things. So, <laughs> Isn't fall the best? Oh, I love it. I know it's raining right now, and I'm looking out the window, and the fog and the turning of the leaves, it just feels so cozy and makes me want to just come back in, slow moments, and cook more and bake more. It's just really, I think, the heart of so many homemakers. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious about you raising up your girls. Were you a stay-at-home mom a majority of that time, like a full-time homemaker? Were you working outside of the home? I would love to hear a little bit about what your journey with raising your children looked like as far as your time within your home. Yeah. So one thing that you kind of talked about it when you introduced me, 
but I am now a life coach who helps mamas work through destructive anger and burnout. And that absolutely started with my own journey. And when we got married and and decided to have kids, we had chose to have me stay home and my husband would work. I had planned on homeschooling my girls all through high school, if possible. And it turns out we did two of them. The youngest is actually now in a private Christian school. But back when we started, I knew that I had an anger problem. I mean, I, I knew that I was angry and destructive, but I didn't know that I could it. Uh, when my husband and I got married, I was a yeller and he wasn't. And I can remember asking him, why aren't you yelling at me? And he's like, that's just not what I do. And it wasn't, he would withdraw. And so I knew there was a challenge there and it wasn't good. I mean, screaming so your neighbors can hear you. That's, that's not really healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, I didn't know what I could do to overcome it. I thought it was just how I was raised, my Scottish Irish blood. <laughs> who you were. <laughs> who I was. Yeah. Yeah. When we had Enya, our oldest, when she started her little two-year-old tantrums, you would find both her and I tantruming together. I would be screaming at her, she's screaming at me, but I was much scarier than her, right? And I don't take this lightly. I was abusive. I would threaten her, I would scream at her, I would belittle her, I would leave little bruises on her butt, squeeze her arm and leave little bruises on her arm. I was just, I was really scary. And it was just me and her for a few years meaning my husband worked 12 hour days at that point he was in construction. And so it was really, really scary. He would sometimes at night, if I was upset, try to intervene and I would just get more upset. And again, I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know that I could be fixed. I'd go to bed upset and feeling guilty and terrible. I would say, I'll do this better tomorrow, you know, and I'd ask the Lord to help me and pray for help and strength and next day up was happening all over again. So I'll fast forward a little bit to when we had her sister, we brought her home. I remember one night I was nursing her and her name's Sky, and Enya was throwing an epic tantrum. Mike was trying to get her to bed and I just was sitting there getting more and more upset and any nursing moms <laughs> may relate to how relaxed you typically get nursing. So usually I'm, I'm relaxed, but during this tantrum, I just was getting really upset. And so I finally exploded and just screamed at the top of my lungs for Enya to shut up. And Skye stopped nursing and she looks at me with this terrible little frightened baby face and just starts crying. And I'm like, something has to stop. We can't keep doing this. Enya needs help. So I'm still in this idea that I was lost. I couldn't do it. Apparently I've been trying. I've been praying. Nothing will change me. If we can get Enya to listen to me, then maybe not through these tantrums, maybe I won't get so upset. So we took her to a therapist and the therapist observed her and she talked to us and she was like, well, Enya's a perfectly normal kiddo for her age and development, but Natalie, you're the one who needs to be in here. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, wait, what? But how's that going to help? How's that going to change anything with Enya, you know? But really deep down inside, I was super grateful. And I committed to it because I was like, wow, someone's telling me that there's help. Mm -hmm. And so I went to four years of psychoanalysis therapy. I'm Christian. It wasn't a Christian therapist, but it was, it was really helpful. I really appreciated the time I had in therapy. She helped me learn a lot about me, how we think, my family history, 
and and kind of why I was the way I was and also had some really good conversations with my parents through that time as well and understanding just so much of the family history and 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 myself right so that was great but I left therapy still having this pattern of screaming and destructive anger with the kids it had gotten better as I continued to grow and understand and kind of release some of this I would say emotional, maybe even generational burnout, I guess is what I'd like to say, because I know that as families continue to work through and, you know, the stuff that families do, some families can start to work on ending some of the bad traits that have been passed down and some will continue them, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was really neat to see, hey, we can start to unwind some of this and start to work through this, but I need more right? So more than just what I had gone through. Um, At that point, I started to rely more on my faith with the Lord and grew in that relationship more with him. But I felt led to try different things. Being a stay-at-home mom, I still wanted something else to do. I really wanted to do an online business and I love writing. I wanted to be a writer. And so I just kind of tried to pursue on and off these different types of online at-home businesses with the kids here. And I have to side note this too, that my mom actually started taking on more of the homeschooling. She became their teacher and it's still graduated our oldest and, and is still teaching my middle one today. So that was just a passion of hers that she took on. And as she did that, I took on more time to research and, and try different businesses. And through that, I had more personal growth and the, the Lord just led me, right? I eventually ended up in... Christian life coaching school where I learned so much about listening and what it takes to help other people and and through that helping myself. And they had really encouraged a regular habit of praying and reading. So it was through that that I continued to grow. And I noticed as I was personally growing, I was getting less destructive in my anger, still getting angry, but was becoming less and less and not as scary. Like my youngest, I remember a couple of years ago, I raised my voice at her and she's like, stop yelling at me. And Enya was there and she's like, you have no idea what mom's yelling could look like. And, and so it was really cool to see that things are changing and my relationship with the girls are changing. Then I actually shared this story with another friend who had a podcast and she's like, you got to talk about this on the podcast. And so I came on and did that. And it was at that point, it was like, four or five years ago, mom started reaching out and said, I need help. Help me to work through this destructive anger, this burnout, this emotional fatigue, all this stuff. Help me work through this. And really it was at that point when I started helping other moms that I saw the biggest change in me because I was starting to be held more accountable to what I was saying, how I was acting. Mm -hmm. And then I was also really learning through coaching and just learning how to help moms help me even more. How do we work through this anger in the heat of the moment? How do we recover with our kids? How do we become more aware of the things that are triggering us so that we can walk through our day without constantly just looking at the day thinking it's the worst day ever? Life is so difficult. I mean, I got to the place a couple times when the kids were young that I just wanted to leave. I was like, my family would be better off without me. I'd be better off without them. And I will tell you, even to this day, when I get burnt out, which just like trying to work through moving my oldest out and then jumping right into school and and volleyball season, 
I felt a lot of burnt out and those old patterns and thoughts would pop up in my head. You're not good enough for your family. You'd be better off without them. I had a few nights crying on the floor in my closet. The difference between that and years ago was I knew, wait a minute, this is a lie. And this isn't the emotions that are taking hold right now. And I can process these. I can allow myself to lay on my floor and cry. I can allow myself to work through this without following the path of you're right. I am a terrible mom and just continue that spiral, which would wreak more havoc on my family. And that's something we really work through. I help moms work through and we'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. But how do we work through that? So we are not, you know, we get into those spirals. That's when we start. Um, we feel bad about ourselves and we're feeling insecure, then we start projecting that out onto our kids and others as well and into our marriage. So, right. It reminds me how in the Bible in Proverbs 14, one, and it's something that I turn back to frequently, maybe as like a, like a conviction where it says a wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. So I often turn there because I'm like, I need that as a motivator, but also like you need to stop in your tracks and realize what you're doing, whether it is self-destruction or letting the lies actually affect me and make me believe the things that I'm creating within my own head. Like you were saying, like that I'm not good enough or things are never going to change or am I really valuable within my home? It is really, really a difficult thing to invest your whole life into the care of others. And then if you're not performing to the standard or the expectation that we've created for ourselves or the behavior of others within our home aren't matching that idea, it's easy to discount our value within our home. It is so hard through your journey of struggle in the very beginning and you've grown through it significantly it sounds and and you're not clear of it and I don't think any of us will ever be clear and fully healed from trauma or generational curses or anything like that but the ongoing climb if you look at your hardships or the triggers that you were talking a little bit about And then you look at the common thread with the women that you coach in the conversations you have. Are there common things that you see affect the household the most? When I look at the Homemakers Club and I talk to women and and my own story, I, I can kind of pinpoint some really significant things that impact our joy and happiness within our home. I would say isolation's one of the biggest ones not meeting the expectations that we create ourselves within our home and how everyone plays a part in that. Financials can be really difficult. There's there's quite a few things that I just see recurring. Have you noticed any recurring hardships? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, when when we're staying home and that is our primary role, there's a lot of lies that can come into our head. And, and there may be some of these that you've for sure touched on and talked about within the community. But some of the things that really would get to me were the mundane, right? I, I would say things like, I hate laundry. I hate dishes. I hate like just one thing after another. Right? I do it. And then I do it again. <laughs> I yes, do it again. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, or the, I thought this was going to be so much different. Like I really thought it was going to be 
fun crafting and cooking and taking care of the kids and doing cuddles and bedtime. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be mom at home doing all the things like that and had no idea when I actually got to this point, like, whoa, this is so not rewarding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how I remember feeling. And And on top of that, I started my motherhood journey before we had Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. But then when you add that in, I mean, I can't imagine the mom starting out where I was in that place because even I got caught off guard as my kids were growing and social media started to get bigger, right? That we really look to other people and go, why am I not like that? How come I can't have the perfect house? And I know this has been talked about so many times, you know, we're bringing it up more and more, I think, in in our discussions, but we're not seen behind the scenes, right? And even then, like, if we do get to see behind the scenes, you probably aren't seeing the full vulnerable, like, everything behind the scenes, right? People glamorize a behind-the-scenes shot just as much as they'll glamorize the front shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that comparison trap is really a struggle, And one thing that I can remember thinking too is how I would have a difficult time. I felt so guilty asking for any help. Mm -hmm. I felt terrible asking my husband working all day, asking him to help me do anything because I'm like, well, this is my job. I'm supposed to do this. And I had this realization at one point where I was like, wait a minute, my husband, when he goes to work, he's got people working alongside him. He's not in construction anymore, but he now has a couple assistants and a partner. And then he's got different companies he works with to do some of the things he's doing. Or in construction, when he was there, he wasn't the only one doing construction. He had people around him doing, working together on this job. You're one person at home. And maybe, you know, there was a, a little sense of time I had for a few years, I had someone come in and help me clean once a week. But other than that, it was just me, right? And so I had to realize that it's okay that I have to ask for help from my husband. Mm-hmm. It's okay to and to say, hey, I need this help. So that was one thing where I, when I let the guilt there go and just start asking him, we had the conversation. He's like, I would rather you ask me for help than you to be a bear and upset because you think you have to do it all on your own. Mm-hmm. And then that whole lie too. Why can't I do all the things like all the other moms are doing? And they're not. Nobody's doing all the things. Mm-mm. Nobody can do no. all the things. No. Whatever they're doing good, there's something else in their life. Not that I want to glorify the fact that we can't do all the things because meaning, you know, I wish we could. Yeah, it'd be awesome if we could take care of everything, but we don't have that capacity and that's okay because we do need to find our strength from someone other than us, right? We need to look to the Lord and go, I can't do all things. So whatever you need me to do today, that's what I need to do. And do Whatever I don't get done today, that's what you didn't want done today. And just kind of walking in that submission and, and prayer. And then when it came to just these little things, when it came to the mundane chores, I mean, I still don't like doing laundry. It's definitely not my favorite thing, but I had to face it and I had to go, you know what? Me sitting here hating, using the word hate on all these things is creating a, a dark heart, right? It's just, it's creating this, this mentality of like a little cloud over my head because I'm focusing on the negative. So even though I don't like the laundry, what can I look the laundry for like look what can I look at it and go I'm thankful for this mm-hmm. and so I did I started going okay I'm thankful that I have laundry because that means we have clothes I'm thankful I have a washer and dryer because 
I don't have to hand wash and hang dry these things, right? I'm thankful for the time in the laundry room where I can pop my earbud in and listen to a podcast. Mm -hmm. So I started looking for things that I was thankful for, even though I didn't love doing the job, I started to change my heart towards it. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, then when I was, you know, if I'm sitting there all angry and spiraling about these chores, then what happens when my kids come to ask me a question? I'm in a bad mood. <sighs> it's right? the worst. Yeah. Because yeah. we're internalizing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the then worst. I'm like taking, projecting that negative emotion that I'm feeling onto them. Whereas if I'm starting in a better place where I'm, I'm more positive, I'm in a better place. Then when they come ask me a question, if it's an interruption, I might get irritated, but I'm not going to snap at them and be like, whatever, you know, it's an interruption. Nobody likes to be interrupted. There's, there's that, or I've had more of a clear mind to deal with the situation if they're fighting or something's happening. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's really helping us let's, let's stay in a healthier mindset by taking the negative things out and focus on the positive. We're told to do that in the word, right? Focus on what's good, what's noble, what's true. So it's, it's helping you stay in a better place by finding what are the things I can enjoy or appreciate about these things that I haven't been. And, and we have to change our heart from that heart of complaint to a heart of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And that right there can really shift how you're feeling about burnout in general. We really hold on to burnout and we will just stay there and like almost morbidly just hang out there because it feels good. That yeah. self-pity, pride, looking our wounds. It's it feels easier to do that than it is to go, I'm thankful for what I have in my life right now. And when we can get into that gratitude and be grateful and, and thankful for all the, the stuff that we do see, even the challenges, and we can overcome those and be thankful that they taught us something, then we're less apt to fall into those depths of burnout and stay there. We'll get there. I mean, especially during hormonal cycles, right? right. Our hormones will take us right down to them. But if we can try to continue to change our mindset around those things, that will help our burnout and help us get out of those cycles faster. I'd like to kind of go back to a few things that you were talking about. And one of them is a realization that I had years ago. You are talking about asking for help. I'm I've never really talked about this, but I do have permission to say this, um, is that my husband had gone into a really rough season where he had said that my role within the home hadn't been a blessing on his life. And in that moment, I about dropped dead, right? Because my whole life's work was to tend to the home and be a good wife and a good homemaker and a good mom. I was so upset. It sent me into this whole horrific like questioning of everything I've done and it, it was a very dark season mm -hmm. but through prayer and really reflecting on the word blessing I started realizing that just because our house is spotless most days because I would clean all day every day try to stay super on top of all the things that's where I thought I was being a blessing doing everything I could to do everything for everyone within my home so all the cooking and the cleaning and the this and this I was I am such a busy bee like I find my value in non-stop movement <laughs> like it is just I don't know where it came from it's just who I am 
But when I heard that I wasn't necessarily a blessing on his life, I realized after, like I said, lots of prayer and reflection, that just because I put the idea and the thought that I had to get everything done, I was cranky during a lot of that season because I was wearing the weight of doing all the things. So is that blessing my husband and children by, well, look, your house is spotless and you have this delicious meal for you and you have cookies in the cookie jar. But here I am cranky and it brings me back into Proverbs 14.1, a wise woman built her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. There, That was the hardest realization I ever had to hear. I wasn't blessing anyone just by my presence of cooking and cleaning and doing all the things. I wasn't making my house an actual home. It was a pretty home, but it wasn't a life-giving, fruitful home. When I realized that, asking my husband to do things around the house, I started realizing, wait a minute, he has a role within our home as well. And he works outside of the home and he blesses us so I can be home and raise my children. But that's not, he. when he comes home, what was he doing? He was coming home to do nothing because I had done everything. And mm. and it discounted his role and his his partnership within home. And then my children 14 years old and nine years old, they're just starting, and I hate to even admit this, but they're just starting to learn how to do chores and do things around the house to contribute because newsflash, these children are going to grow up one day and have to do these things on their own and be contributing people within their families and within their homes. And I thought all along I was blessing my family by wearing the weight of doing all the things and doing it all well. I realized that's not what makes a house a home. It was just a really hard season to understand that being a blessing in our homes doesn't mean we have to do all the things every day and do them well. I'm... I did not expect <laughs> to share that. I'm glad oh, I did. I, yeah, I love it. I totally relate. I I got the title of Nazi mom from mm. my family because, like, I would clean and everything. And, and if they did anything, I'm like, don't, no, don't do that. I just clean, you know, like all those things. And I still have to watch myself, right? Because mm. I, I totally will get to a place of, I just did all this work and you've undone it now, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, or we're not allowing the kids to express themselves in their own room. I've got one who's very artsy and she's extremely creative and her, her idea of clean does not match mine whatsoever. <laughs> and it's trying to allow her to express herself and be that way. And how do we find that balance? Right. But going back to what you were saying about that, I can remember in my heart, cause I, same thing, I do everything for everyone. Um, I, if you look at the Enneagram at all, I'm a number two, the helper, you, you know, just help everyone, make sure everyone has everything they need all the time. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) to the, the place of, it was very, for me, very prideful in that, okay, I did all this. So what are you going to do for me or why, you know, if they don't do something, if they don't rinse a dish, I take it so personally, right? Mm -hmm. Because I would rinse my dish or I'd rinse their dish, you know, like, those things so that would catch me too where I'd be in this place of I do all this stuff and then you forget my birthday or you don't do the dishes or you keep your room messy yeah and having to work through that heart of of pride right instead of going no I do this because this 
this brings me joy and this is a way that I know I'm gifted and, and to serve, but that doesn't mean that that's how they are to serve or how, you know, or doesn't mean that they're trying to upset me because they didn't do something the way I thought they should because I would have done it that way. Right. So getting out of our own heads, right. And, and having more empathy towards them and less pride on our part. Right. And thinking, well, they find no gratitude in all the things I do every day. That's a hard thing. And I think a lot of women feel like their homes are ungrateful for the things that they do within their yeah. home. It, it is a really hard thing and it, it comes with seasons. So we go through these wonderful seasons where everything seems to be going great. And then all of a sudden something can drop when even, even just busy seasons throw off our routine and rhythm. So you were talking about counting blessings or being in a moment of gratitude. I would even take it a step further. And like, if there's something, you know, you don't like, like laundry, create a rhythm or a routine for that. So you know, when you're going to do it, you, and, and you can make it as pleasant as you possibly can mm-hmm. or plan your meals in advance. So if you don't like cooking meal plan on Sundays for the week, so you have everything you need. So not only just creating opportunities for gratitude and training ourselves to be grateful in the moment, but also planning ahead for the things we don't necessarily enjoy or like doing. So that way we can maybe enjoy them a little bit better or you with your podcast when you're doing laundry or whatever is creating the moment. It's easy to say we're going to do those things, but I think kind of taking a moment to pause and think what are the biggest burdens or the things I like least in my homemaking and then coming up with a plan that fits what we need. I mean, we talk a lot on the last two podcast episodes, we were talking about how you can't water a garden from an empty well. There's so much that goes into homemaking, whether it's cleaning and the cooking or spending quality time with the people we love, taking a pause and reflecting I know it's something that you're passionate about and you created a thing that you call the free trigger tracker. Does that help women address those things within their home and give them a plan on how to better manage them or find gratitude in them? Yeah, so I'll quickly touch on a big thing for me was realizing that we have these emotions. We can't let our emotions dictate what we think about ourselves our identity of who we are and how we react to others, right? Mm -hmm. And it happens, but how do we get to that place where it's less and less and easier to work through those emotions in a healthier way? And so quickly, the the five emotions I really like to touch on, the four emotions really is we have fear, disgust, sadness, anger, and joy, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of times we'll take our fear, disgust, or sadness and go straight into anger. And we use anger and we can be passive aggressive or we can be more loud and destructive in that way. And so normal anger that you will feel is irritation, annoyed. I'm just that, that angry feeling, right? That's that feeling in and of itself is not a bad thing, but it's what we do with that feeling. And so I like to call these negative emotions, speed bumps. Okay. I'm feeling this. What does this mean? Right. And so touching on destructive anger from destructive to even passive aggressive can be destructive to, or is also destructive. I mean, loud. So we've got either passive aggressive or we got that loud yelling and, and, and a lot things. of what this looks, 
like, yeah, we've got screaming and rage. We have physical abuse, belittling, threatening, silent treatments, being snarky, just those type of behaviors, those are coming from us in a way to protect how we're feeling, protect ourselves and to control another person. And it it hurts the relationships, right? So that's destructive anger. Whereas the, just the feeling of anger that we get, even if, I mean, all moms are going to raise their voice, Mm -hmm. right? We're going to raise our voice at some point. We've got to get the kids attention. If they're all being crazy or they, you know, they're, feel distracted, whatever. And we're like, all right, kids, come on. We got to go get your shoes on Let's get in the car. <laughs> that's, that's not destructive. Right. That's hello people. Mom's frustrated and you need to hear the warning in my voice and you need to listen. Yeah. Right. So that's not destructive. And that used to feel destructive to me when I was working through it, because any type of heightened emotion from me felt like destructive behavior because I would so easily check out into rage. Right. I would get to a point where I'm screaming, saying things, not even knowing, like I'd check back in, like, what did I just say? What did I just do? Just totally lose control. Right. I like to really make that difference because any mom who raises their voice might be like, Oh, I'm being destructive. No, but if you are raising your voice and you're threatening, you're belittling, that's destructive. Mm-hmm. If you're raising your voice to get the attention, like I just said, that's a normal mom raising your voice. But if you add that to shame and guilt and feeling terrible because you just can't seem to find any joy in your day in your life, that's just going to compound things worse, right? So I just like to make the difference between normal anger, destructive anger, the fact that we have these emotions, we're not bad for having emotions, we need to use them to check in and go what's going on. In the heat of the moment, I like to, to teach sit and pray or shorten it to sit and pee. And what I like to use that, it's an acronym. So we stop, that's the S, we inhale, we're breathing, we're tuning in, that is the T, what's going on for me, why am I angry, it's okay, we want to validate ourselves in that too, it's okay, I'm feeling this, but what's going on that I am, why am I feeling this way, right, that speed bump, and then pray, I need strength, I need clarity, I need discernment, wisdom here, don't pray for patience, yeah. <laughs> telling everybody don't pray for patience, you don't want to pray for that, but ask for wisdom and discernment, right? And and I like to shorten it up to sit and pee because if you have the ability to go to the bathroom or another room, just to <laughs> I calm love down, this. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh. And that's, it's really cool because you can use it in any scenario, right? We're coming into the holidays soon. If you're around any friends or family that you just, they start to grade on you a little bit, just excuse yourself to the bathroom and go do a sit and pray, right? Yeah. You're, you're going, you're taking some deep breaths that calms down the n- nervous system. We're validating. We're kind of trying to step back and go, okay, what's all going on? And and then I'm going to talk about the trigger tracker because that tune in part, we don't need to do a trigger tracker during the sit and pray, but the tune in part is going to ask some questions that you might ask yourself in that, that sit and pray moment. If you have littles and you're, you're like, I can't leave the room that they're in, try to move to a different position. Whether you're on the floor, get to the couch. You're one part of the room, move to the other part of the room. If your kids can follow you to the bathroom and they bang on the door and you're just like, it's safer for you to bang on the door right now and me to take some time to like breathe and calm down than it is for me to unleash my fury on you. It's okay, right? So I just like to cover kind of those scenarios where you're not always going to be able to get up and go to another room and shut the door, but you can kind of go through this checklist in your head. We want to really reset ourselves when we're feeling angry. 
the trigger tracker that your listeners can go download for free on my website, just enter the email. It's a PDF that you'll get and it asks you questions. So the, this is a thing to do after you've been upset or if you're sitting down going, okay, I get triggered every time we're getting ready to leave for school or at bedtime or for this certain whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. It can be common triggers or it can be this like, that was a really random reason why I got upset. I don't ever get upset for that. Why did I do that, right? Mm-hmm. And the trigger tracker itself will say, okay, what happened? So why did you get upset? And then it's going to ask you, what did you do? Which isn't the fun part, but it's just kind of confessing and really going, I, I screamed and slammed the door and that, that was hurtful. And I ugh, feel so shameful to, to say that or think that, right? Mm-hmm. So we're writing that out and just, we need to acknowledge what did we do? And then what was going on for us? Are we hormonal? Are we hungry? Did we not get enough sleep? Were we just on a comparison trap on social media? Did we get some bad news? Did we have an argument with a friend or our husband? What else is going on for us? Maybe we're just really tired and burnt out because it's been a week of sickness or a month of tournament. It gives grace. I love that part of it because it extends grace to ourselves to really realize like, wow, I actually do have a law on my plate right now. Yeah. And then it it asks you to go, what, how would you like this to look the next time you're feeling triggered? What, what's a healthier way to walk through this trigger? Mm -hmm. And then there's some other promptings like find, you know, go to the word. What does the word say about this? Or where can you find comfort in the word and just pray about it? So it's really giving you the opportunity to take time for yourself to go, what is going on for me? Because often what happens with us, us mamas, is we're going from one thing to the next, right? We're putting out little fires. We're racing to this thing. We do, I mean, I think we all take some time to ourselves in one way or another, right? Mm -hmm. Because whether it's a healthy way or not, what, what are we doing, right? So we're just kind of racing through things. And then we fall in bed at the end of the day and we're like, I was such a monster today. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, oh man, I feel so guilty. And so at that point, it's like, what? I can't seem to stop and I'll pray and ask and, and why can't I just get over it and I'll be better tomorrow and it keeps going. Remember, I talked about that cycle in the beginning of this. We have to do something to take a step back and go, why? Mm-hmm. And, and in doing this, we may still blow through that trigger and the next time that trigger happens, but you're going to walk through that with a little more awareness mm-hmm. because you gave that some credit to go, hmm, this is what I really want it to look like, right? So bringing awareness, keeping ourselves in the moment, you know, we've talked about today, where's your mindset? What are you focusing on? Positive or negative things? What lies are you letting yourself believe? What's the truth? What does God say you are? Who does God say you are? And what are, you know, these emotions, where are we coming from, from them? How do we work through these in a healthier way? You know, so those are a few tactical things to kind of really look at and go, this can help me start to create more awareness and bring more understanding to what's going on for me as I walk through the day. And, you know, instilling a daily habit with, with the Lord, five minutes, if you only have five minutes. The Lord knows what season you're in. He knows if you have littles and you're getting woken up, you know, before you're ready to get woke up in the morning. (laughs) If you don't have time, that's something that's so pushed. First thing in the morning, spend time with the Lord. Well, there's so many seasons of motherhood that doesn't work out, Mm -hmm. right? 
And you're not a bad mom because you don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can fit that in at any time during the day. So even if it's just five minutes, I am really a big proponent of that. Do, do we like to take more time if we can? Absolutely. And, and you will be blessed with that. But start somewhere in that, those bite-sized chunks at any time of day that you can. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's really helping work through those emotions and, and keeping your mindset in a better place. That's going to help you with burnout. It's going to help you bring more awareness to how you're talking to your kids and he will restore my oldest now when, when, you know, you heard the, the abuse that she received for me as I grew, I learned how to help her work through her challenges better. I modeled how to work through these things in a healthier way. And she knows the story, everything that you've heard, she's heard and more from me about what she endured from me and my journey and how I've worked through it. And she's forgiven me. And she knows that if anything comes up, as she's growing up and, and becoming her own person on her journey, if anything ever comes up that she's like, oh, mom did this to me or why did this happen? Or, you know, she knows she can come back and talk to me and go, mom, that was hurtful or I don't understand or I have questions and I'm open and willing to go, yes, let's talk about that. And so again, it's, it's just really cool that as you grow and you learn and you let go of the guilt and shame and you need to put your heart towards focusing on on better things and and the positive you can to restore your relationship with your kids and overcome these burdens that you're you're just being weighed down with Mm -hmm. and I'd like to further what you're saying with your daughter you're giving her also the tools for when she becomes a mother as well and because she she got to watch you do it and continue to do it and help other women through it and your honesty and vulnerability through it all is going to, well, we did talk about generational change within our lineage. And I think that what you're doing is definitely going to be that for your family and for the future of your daughters because they get to see you. It's not easy. It is very, very hard to do. But I think it's going to change lives. And I think... Go ahead. As backward as it feels, mm-hmm. it's good for your kids to see you get upset. It's mm-hmm. good for you to have these challenges with your kids. Like you're saying, they're going to leave your house and they're going to get angry. They're going to get burnt out. And so as much as, as important as that we teach them, how do you do the laundry? How do you cook some food? How do you keep the house clean? More important is how do you not grow up to hate yourself feel bad about yourself, carry guilt and shame? How do you grow up and love who God made you to be, love others well, and work through these things in a healthier way so that you can continue to pass on healthy generational changes? So I I think that that's really the greatest desire that so many homemakers have is to really do the core work within the people within our homes to help them be the best versions of themselves through our actions and our habits and our prayer and all the things that we care so much. And that's where we carry the guilt. Like if we don't meet those expectations and those hopes that we are doing within our home, like it's just so incredibly, it's hard and it's so beautiful. And it's something I think that we all really long to do within the legacy of our homes. I'd like to add one thing and I'd like to hear your comments on it real quick before we wrap this up. One thing that I've learned recently is 
the value and power and honesty in motherhood and then helping our friends through hardships versus dwelling and fueling those hardships. I have three friends that I will absolutely call to vent like, oh my gosh, this just happened and like cry and throw a fit and whatever. But I know without a doubt that they are going to listen and then they'll probably relate at some point and say, oh my gosh, I went through that too. But then what happens is they no longer let me dwell in it and fuel that fire. They turn it and they'll either pray over it or they'll give me tools for success that they've experienced or someone they know. And so that's another thing that I have really become aware of and I've, I've watched it within the Homemakers Club is there's power in being honest in our motherhood, but also being fruitful in our friendships as well to help each other through these seasons, not dwell in these seasons. Mm-hmm. Yes, that fellowship is key. And one of the things that anybody, I mean, the most important thing, if you're listening to this, if you are struggling with that place where, you know, I remember I was so afraid to tell anybody because if anybody knew how I was treating my, my oldest, you know, back then, would they take them away from me? You know, would somebody call me in and, and, and I would no longer have my kids. And I just remember sitting in that fear and, and it was so difficult and, and scary. And I was led through that, right. When the therapist was like, you need to be in here. Right. And, and so having someone to talk to, if you've been afraid thinking you're the only one, you're not the only one, you're a special person. But as my life coaches said, you're not a special snowflake, right? Like what you've gone through, somebody is either going through or has been through. Mm -hmm. And so reach out to someone that you can talk to that you can trust, whether it's your mom or a friend or somebody at church or, you know, someone like me online, right? You just reach out and, and connect and go, I need help. I'm struggling with this and, and I need to know what's the next step. I love that. Thank you so much. I'll include the link for your website so that way women can get a hold of you. They could download the trigger tracker that you've provided and then also learn about the Motherhood Restored program that you've invested so much time and care into for helping women find restoration in their hearts through different difficult seasons. I'm, I I think that you're doing an amazing service to so many women. And it's like we said, it's something that we don't often talk about, but is incredibly common. And I just thank you for doing that. And I encourage any of the women listening to know that they can reach out to you. I know that you'd be happy to email back and help them along their journey. Same with me, message me on the Homemakers Club or email yeah. me. I mean, really, I believe, and I always kind of joke about like, oh, there's like 100,000 best friends within the Homemakers Club. But I do, with my whole heart, believe that at any point someone needs to talk, you can message anyone within the Homemakers Club and they're going to happily respond with love and relatability and kindness. And I just... It's just so incredibly important what you're doing. So thank you, Natalie, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's been great talking about all of this. And yeah, don't give up, mamas. Keep going. <laughs> it's it's incredible work and home matters and you matter. And so thank you. 
Thank y'all for being here and for the work you are doing within your homes and sharing home with the world. I believe with my whole heart that every day, the more we share home and the art of homemaking, we are upholding the way in which home was intended to be productive, fruitful, and beautiful. Though your days may seem ordinary, little by little, you are building something quite extraordinary. Keep up the good work, my friends. If you haven't already, I encourage you to join our sisterhood on Instagram at We Are The Homemakers for daily encouragement and fellowship. And of course, subscribe here as well. We Are The Homemakers Gathered for Good. See y'all next week.